Welcome to The Radio Kid. We're a show that looks at new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week Jeremy Cohn and I will be talking about what we're listening to and why we think you should too. We're not critics, we just love talking about music and the new shit we're into. This week, we're talking about the recently departed musical heart of Vampire Weekend. It's Rostam's first solo album, Half Life. Next, on the Radio Care. Hey, Jerry. Hey, what's up? So it almost sounded like he had died. Are you worded that? He's not dead. Yeah, let's. I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say that because I, I just, I just kind of uh, typed this out, and this is the first time that I've actually said it out loud, <laughs> and I, I, I realized recently departed together. Is is kind of another way of saying that somebody. It has certain has so. certain connotations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, they're all vampires, so they were already dead to begin with, right? Aren't vampires undead? That seems right. I don't. I'm not like super up on my vampire lore, but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they are undead. I think that's why they need blood. But yes, he has left Vampire Weekend, which we've talked about several yes. times on the pod. Yes. Um. But yes, for our uh, new, our, our all of our new listeners, uh, Rostam has left the building. The, the building being Vampire Weekend, and uh, we didn't like this. We didn't like this at all. We were really worried about uh, the Vampire Weekend album, and actually now I'm more worried about this album. Or I'm sorry, more worried about the Vampire Weekend album now that I've heard this album come out. Right. It it makes it like much more clear. Um the work he was doing with them. Yeah. And a lot of other people too. It, I guess, uh, do you just want to get right into this or did you have, we don't really have anything else that happened this week other than, um, fucking speaking of the undead fucking healthcare bill. Jesus Christ. Oh yes. That's like our greatest hope. If this thing passes, if we all become undead, Zombies, vampires, yeah. whatever. That's that's best case scenario. Uh, I just but, yeah. they just they just keep trying. They just keep trying with these bullshit ideas and bills, and it's fucking ridiculous. I I love uh, Jimmy Kimmel's. Speaking of feuds, we like we like to talk about a good feud. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if you can really have a feud between a late night host and a senator. Um, that seems to be like you kind of speaking across each other, you know, that's not really like right. apples to apples, you know? Yeah. It's not blur I... and Oasis. It's not, you know, <laughs> the Kardashians and Swift or something. They're not equals. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do like the Jimmy Kimmel directly called the guy out. Though. I was like, you fucking lied to me to my face. That was awesome. I know you could see that he was restraining too. You he wanted yeah. to call him a fucking asshole. And yeah. then the the second video, I love it when <laughs> when uh, somebody from Fox News made fun of him, and he's like, "The, the reason I like this one is because that guy licks my balls every time he comes near me. He just <laughs> yeah. like fucking loves the shit out of me." Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it when I love it when really popular people like flex their muscles like that. Like no. Whatever you're acting like you're hard, but you fucking love me because everyone loves me. Yeah, for sure. Because that's how everyone gets around. Um, senators or not, right? You know, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, Jimmy. It'd be kind of cool to meet Jimmy Kimmel, but I'd, you know, never watch a show. But if I ever met him, I'd be like, oh my god, love your stuff, right? So, 
<laughs> so great. I watch every night. <laughs> yeah, totally. You just straight up lie to him. <laughs> yeah, you just grovel. It's some it's some weird thing. Like they have a presence about them. Yeah, you know? for sure. But anyway, we should uh yeah, let's get to let's get to this. Cause I'm really excited to talk about this. This is this like makes my um just soul smile. It, it's such fun, pretty, beautiful music. Yeah, it's very exciting. Like it's not like all like happy subject matter, but there's something very bright no. about all of it. This it's yeah, it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. So just to get into it, let's read from Pitchfork here. As the producer and musical leader behind Vampire Weekend, Rostam spearheaded a no-brow sound that cheerfully destroyed barriers between genres and borders. His personal identity as a queer, first-generation Iranian-American immigrant who came up through the largely straight and white world of indie rock only adds to his rep as a disruptive force for good. For the last decade, he's offered signposts for artfully postmodern pop music, beckoning others to follow. This is why current vanguards Frank Ocean and Solange invited him to contribute to the most recent game-flipping albums. Rostam is a name you can trust. On Half-Light, that name is front and center for the first time. Yeah, which is super exciting because he's, like, obviously brilliant. Like, we... I love that album he did with uh, Hamilton Lighthouser from The Mm -hmm. Walkmen. Did you like that one? I I did, and a lot of the reviews mentioned that, too, kind of being um, Hamilton Lighthouser's first good album since, you know, a while. So that he's really adding to to people. He's he's kind of bringing people into the, um, you know, forefront with the... What was the other uh, girl that he uh, did work for. Oh man, her name's slipping me, but um, kind of a, a popular female artist that is a little um, alt kind of a little. Um, oh, I can't, I can't remember either. We're used. You know who I'm talking about though. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it seems to be something that he kind of really adds to people's sounds as, you know, we're, we always talking about, working with a collaborator, with a producer that actually knows music really well and adds kind of that has a, has a real musical influence on records. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah. they can kind of, you know, fuck with shit a little too much and it doesn't sound like the people that you, you know, came to hear, but Rostam seems to, to slip right in there. He's got so many different like genres and influences that he can kind of be like, oh, you want that sound? Okay, I can pull from here, here, and here, you know? Oh, you want this sound? Okay, well, that's from, you know, this part of my repertoire. You know? Yeah, totally. And 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 yet still somehow it is, like, distinctly him at the same time without taking away from the other artist's mm-hmm. sounds, which is very impressive to me. I don't know how one goes about that, but it fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I, I just love... The story too, the you know the Iranian American immigrant who plays this super multicultural uh, has this real super multicultural sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's everything good about America um, and the things that we're kind of ever reminded that we need to preserve. 
Yeah, and he takes like all these different sounds from like all across the globe and still manufactures something that's like very like catchy and like super listenable. Exactly. I mean, it's weird when you take a bunch of people from different cultures and put them all in one spot, they start creating and and cross-pollinating and making something, you know, even even better. Yeah. It's a uh, maybe maybe we don't want all one color. Maybe we don't want to hit all one note. Maybe all of our music shouldn't be rock and roll. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah, it's uh, it's drawing me into other uh, parts of the music world. You know, like mm-hmm. Frank. It's a it's a touchstone into Frank Ocean. You know, or Solange. Uh, culturally, so different from my own. But yeah, right. uh, there's this there's this part. Oh, Vampire Weekend, right? I can hear that here. You know, it's kind of this. He's the bridge between these two for me. That it made me more because I've I've never been a Frank Ocean fan. Like I appreciate it for mm-hmm. sure, but I've never like gotten yeah, into it. Yeah, that's how I've always been. Just like yeah, that's really something different. That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Like his involvement with that like makes me want to like go back and listen to it more. Like hear his parts of it you know so yeah you're, you're right i'm more yeah, into so his woodworking but his music is good <laughs> um so do you want to start talking about the uh songs or do you yeah, have sure. kind of more to say about the vampire weekend influence well it it does sound more like vampire weekend than i was expecting it to it is um, I know you've got a review you're going to cite later, um, where it talks about how the album is kind of like, is like all over the place, like in a good way though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it does sound more like Vampire Weekend than I expected, mainly in the fact that in a lot of these songs, he, his singing is very similar to Ezra Koenig's. It freaked me out the first time, the, right? Like, right when summer comes in. I'm like, Whoa, yeah. Wait, what, was he singing on more of yeah. the record than I knew of? Yeah, I feel like they sing in like a very similar register, and and just the way mm-hmm. the words come out of his mouth, like a, a cadence, I guess, is very similar mm-hmm. to Ezra Koenig, which I was interested in. It made me wonder if like how much influence he had over how Ezra sings. Yeah, that's interesting. Or he wasn't much of a singer before he met Ezra, and so right. he kind of sings like Ezra because that's where he picked that mm-hmm. aspect of of his game. You know? Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, part of that uh, review is also stating that these tracks are from like the last five to seven years being uh, kind of made and and, and uh, pulled together from stuff that he had been creating uh, over his time with Vampire, too. So it's not a wonder that some of this stuff is kind of like Vampire on LCD. On nope, LSD? LSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of works the other way too. There's it a does, bit of it does because there's this. some electronics in here. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, like speaking very generally, it this album to me sounds like what it would sound like if like Vampire went electric, like electro. You know, <laughs> that's a, yeah. This is that's what I thought too. I was like, this is, um, 
God, if we had gotten just like one more vampire and basically uh Koenig said, let's do one more album. We can do it however you want. You know, yeah. just tell me where to put the words yep. and I'll write them and put them in there. You know, this is what yeah. we would have gotten. And we would have called right. it the electric vampire weekend. Album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> vampire weekend goes electronic. That's what this sounds like, which is fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, I know. I just, uh, I'm, and we still may get that, you know, I don't know. I feel like part yeah, of me I'm feels like it, that 20% that K Nick is talking about is him frantically calling Ross him up and being like, dude, come on, just get your harpsichord, come on over, bring the jingle bells, you know, and <laughs> just put a, just put a couple of little things on these tracks I got. Right. Well, and I was, I'm curious because I can't remember where I was reading this, but they were talking about the new Rostam album and it was talking about him leaving Vampire Weekend, but um, it, it said that he is still involved with Vampire Weekend to some extent is what it said, but it didn't elaborate oh, thank God. on that. I don't okay. know, I mean, See, I don't know what that means, though. Like, <laughs> that just I feel like he could have stepped back and just been their producer. Mm-hmm. Right. And we could have gotten a comparable thing. He just wouldn't have been on tour with them. Right. Right. Which is like the reason he quit. Right. Like he hates touring and is not a big fan mm-hmm. of performing live. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. They, and um, they talked a lot about uh, that kind of whatever shyness or um, mm-hmm. res- maybe uh, shyness always seems derogatory. Some people are just fucking reserved. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. They don't want to be out there, you know, leave them alone. Yeah. You know, so, everybody's got to be type A. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't remember where I read that, but it from what I gathered is he's involved to some extent. That's what it said. I just, I just have no idea how much. Well, that's good. That that's a sigh of relief. And maybe that's why the vampire weekend is delayed. Maybe he wanted to get uh, his album out, you know, kind of get that Mm -hmm. taken care of um, or something. We're just conjecture now, but that's what podcasts are for, right? (laughs) I think so. Don't put anything out until I get there, you know? Right. <laughs> he kind of comes from his, from his like bad cave. Maybe I'm just pronouncing his name incorrectly. Yeah. Batman Geely. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that? I don't, <laughs> don't want to exactly. sound insensitive. I just have no fucking clue how to pronounce his last name. No, it, I think it's a um, Hindu name, and the the those names for me, you just have to think of how it would sound in uh, like if you were doing an impression of an Indian person, and then which we're not that, gonna do, which that you know like Quickie Mart type style that and that will help you get the right cadence. It's all about the cadence on their those names. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. So how have, do you think it's pronounced a, without without a, doing an offensive impression of an Indian person? Uh, yeah, no, I, that's why I said think it in your head and then okay. don't do it. Yeah, that's the problem. It's just not. So you're not going to tell me how it's pronounced because you can only. No, say I it am. In I, that point. Oh. Yeah, Batmangli is what I was. What I think. I think that okay. J on the end is kind of, you know, there's probably a glish or something like that on it, but I would say Batmangli. Okay. 
No, yeah, that's not, that. Yeah, that, that sounds closer than I ever. Total guess. When I said Total it, guess. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let's not say it again. We'll just go rust them no. from here on out. Yeah, and that's what he wants to. Do you think that those characters on the front of the record uh, cover are his name or the name of the album in Sanskrit or? Uh, I think that's whatever. Arabic. Arabic. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very similar very similar um, is sanskrit dead is that like is that a dead language is that like i think i'm pretty sure it is yeah i don't know i'm no language expert well, I'm sorry. clearly <laughs> i feel like i feel like this has gotten very contentious i didn't mean it to um, <laughs> it may be it may not be his name or the name of the album who's to say we can probably google it yeah that would be Way too much work. Yeah, we're not. It's fun. Do that. It's, it's more fun to speculate, don't you think? It is. Any anyone that listens really to this, you can, you can tweet at us. You can tweet at us. If you tell us mm. what the name of that album is, we'll send you a fucking T-shirt. Yeah. With, what those? Yeah, what those? What that language is on the cover? I'm sure that they'll just look it up on the internet, like we should have. Well, that's that's deserving of a T-shirt. That's we're not getting some sort of language expert like weighing in or anything. Is what I'm saying. We're just getting somebody that knows how to yeah. use the fucking internet. <laughs> well, that's equally as valid. Even that. Even that. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Even that. I I feel like we take. Anyway, but yeah, let's get into the fucking songs here. We've we've transgressed here. <laughs> we have. We have. <laughs> we're very transgressive on this podcast. It's charming. <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit and then it gets a little annoying yeah um okay summer so that was like the most christmasy summer song i've ever heard at the beginning that's what i was gonna <laughs> say you got some fucking sleigh bells in the beginning there it I sounds know. like you're Are about to headed hear to grandma's house song. or something yeah. <laughs> yeah it opens up as like is this a christmas album One of the reasons I like it is because of where it goes from there. Like, oh, I know. And it, clearly not a Christmas yeah. album, but it starts that way. Yeah. Another another slow start, but like unlike the other slow starts that we've had to albums uh, this year recently, uh, this one has that fun, fun break that we always like. It does. Yes, I love a and, fun uh, break. Oh, my God. I could not wipe the smile off my face when those harpsichords or whatever came in. Yeah, whatever those are that appear on like every yeah. Vampire Weekend song. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, oh my god, that feels so good in my, in my ear holes. Yeah, it, it really does. It, it like really sets the tone for the rest of the album, which is like just so bright and makes you happy. Yeah, it does, and and it it is more flowery. I mean, this is this is not as you know art rock, um, cool kid. Uh, Ivy Lee kind of shit as much as it is kind of more this kind of world menagerie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the the sounds are are much grander and and uh fuller here's uh from one of the quotes of consequence of sound he describes his goal on uh half light as trying to write the most complex music that anyone could possibly sing on the top of <laughs> <laughs> I like that 
I know. I love it when they have those like weird goals, you know. I just wanted to make the loudest fucking record, you know. Right. <laughs> but um this song and then going right into Bike Dream, I mean yeah. his influence on Vampire is so obvious on Bike Dream. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, but then you get those like heavy synths in there that I really like. Um now this was something I thought kind of about the album as a whole. Um, but it's apparent in this song and others. It, it's it's almost like a cross between Vampire Weekend and Animal Collective to me. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I did think that. I, yeah. I had a lot of um, Animal Collective feelings on this album. Um, some because every once in a while on a not every once in a while it's, it happens way more. Every once in a while on this album and all the time on Animal Collective, you get to these points where it's just kind of difficult to listen to. And that little part of difficultness breaks into <laughs> something so beautiful. Yeah. That it, it like kind of heightens that kind of uh, beautifulness by putting some like dissonance in, in front of it. Yeah, it reminds me uh, most of uh, like Meriwether Post Pavilion, where Animal Collective mm-hmm. was just like a little bit more poppy than normal. Yeah, that and that um, that weird synth on the front of uh, My Girls. I think it's My Girls or yeah. Girls. Yeah. Where it kind of has that, yeah, that that kind of synth is is coming in on this one. And this was the first time I thought, like, oh, this is what Vampire Weekend would sound like if they went electronic. Yes, I, I wrote that too. This is the uh, closest thing to electro pop on the album, and and I feel like it's definitely the hookiest on this album. Everything else definitely. is a little more um, artsy in mm-hmm. in that kind of like chamber music way. Yeah, for sure. The only other thing I wanted to say on this, and it's a it's a good um, it, it it's kind of a good summary of how his voice is going to be different than the Vampire Weekend one. It does sound the same, but he has kind of this mumbly, giggly, playful yeah uh, kind of way about him where words kind of slur together, and it almost sounds like he's half smiling as he's as he's saying it. It's really. Um, I like it because this is a record that I feel like I can I could I could read a book while I'm listening to because sometimes mm-hmm. the words just kind of fit right into the sound. Yeah, for sure. That like mumbly like slurriness. That's another thing that reminded me of Animal Collective a little bit. Like some of their vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know what they um. Are going to or what they're saying? Yeah, you like look up the lion in a coma, lion in a coma. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and and uh, Paul in his real Paul way was like, "It's lying in a coma." I was like, "No, I think it's lying in a coma. It's just kind of fun, like lion in a coma, like the animal." That's the name of the song is "Lion Like the Animal." I know, and he kind of gives me that sigh and looks it up. He's like, "Oh wait, it is lion in a coma." He's like, "That's stupid." I was like, well, yeah, but Animal Collective is kind of stupid in that way. You know what I mean? Like, they're playful in that way. Yeah, exactly. 
Like when we went, we, when we went to the the concert, they were playing in this giant inflatable mouth with like these giant teeth that they were pl- showing that video on. Dude, that shit was fucking crazy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I took some. I think that's the closest thing I've ever been to a rave. That. It was insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the closest thing I've ever uh, experienced uh, to a rave. Yeah, for sure. There was like people in pajamas and and dressed up in costumes, like furry type costumes. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? What is going on? Yeah, it was fucking nutty. <laughs> I didn't know the scene, man. I didn't know the scene. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I agree. Um, it it does have that eclecticism of um electronic eclecticism of um animal collective, uh half light. Somewhere in the half life, I could feel it coming true. I know it, and I knew it, but I did it just for you. Baby, are you getting cold? My ring is just down the hall. And if you stay the night, I promise. This one uh, sounds like. This one kind of sounds like Obvious Bicycle, and I think you're a Contra. Kind of like those slow Vampire Weekend songs. Yeah, especially the way he sings it. He's, this, yeah. Like, it sounds so similar to those slow vampire songs that Ezra sings on. Like, they're slow, like, ballads and stuff. This is, yeah, he sounds so similar in this one. Yeah, the voice really carries it. There's kind of noises coming in and out and, and very sparse you know mm-hmm. but um yeah and those are my favorite oh my god i think your contra is one of my favorite songs um from vampire yes. weekend yeah me too without a doubt i love that whole album but that is just a sweet sweet little part of that album yeah great album closer but yeah this one's great it, it's so pretty throughout it's got like really pretty piano in it and i like the um I don't know what the fuck it is, if it's a synthesizer or whatever, but it, it sounded to me like like the best way I can mm-hmm. phrase it is like an organ, but in like a 16-bit video game. So we're talking about like Super yeah. Nintendo, Sega Genesis era video games. That's what yeah. that organ sound in there sounds like to me. It, it's a fun contrast with like the simplicity of this just like classic piano. Yeah, and then there's that nice bass line. The mm. kind of underneath the whole thing that's kind of uh, going through the scales as well. Uh, I, I call the synth kind of mazy. It kind of swerves in and out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of sets you in that half light space. Uh, one of the, the, from the chorus somewhere in the half light, I felt the morning come through. Uh, and then, you know, baby, all the lights came up. So this whole album is kind of like happening at daybreak after you've stayed up all night, you know? And right. just kind of in this this dreamy part of the day, both in the sunset and in the morning, but I feel like in the morning especially, is that when the light is in that particular spot, it just looks magical. Everything's kind of shimmering or, you know, just kind of uh, waking up. It's so low on the horizon. Yeah. And it, there's this part in this song where it like fades out and then fades back in. That's so yeah. cool that I, that I think like really lends itself to what you're talking about. This like transition from like nighttime to daytime. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it does, it comes right back in. You, you think you're going to be kind of played out on the piano. Yeah. It kind of becomes more and more hollow 
of a sound mm-hmm. and then the the featuring artist i'm not gonna try to pronounce her name she, yeah. <laughs> she comes in right at the end there's like only 20 seconds of her i can i can hear that like she probably like added throughout the whole song and she's like oh yeah i'm gonna be on this rostam song it's gonna be pretty cool yeah, <laughs> and then she's like in this kind of dreamy, real hollow sounding end. Yeah, where it's just like about fifteen, twenty seconds of her. Yeah, but it's so cool though because like the music, like it makes it like it's it gets like so bright. It, it is. It's really mm-hmm. like the sun coming up on the song. Yeah, just kind of warming your face. Yeah, after a long night. But yeah, I, I really feel like the the name and that aesthetic of of the the light the low light is really descriptive of the album as a sound overall mm-hmm. it, it he's really painting pictures with sound for me in this album yeah i, I feel that way too so the reason i wanted to bring wood up which is the next one we're going to talk about is because i feel like it has that middle eastern iranian influences it really feels yes. multicultural yes um, absolutely which makes this, again, I think a standout album, especially for this year. Yeah, I agree. It is that, like, classic sound that you just, like, associate with, like, Middle Eastern music. Um, but it's got, like, the very, like, Vampire Weekend, like, strings in there. It, like, blends them so yeah. fucking well. And it, He does. And, it, and this one, too, like, kind of fades for a bit and then just, like, builds back up. And it's got... It like goes to the end with like all the like the O's like very catchy like yeah. O's and I never mind and, some and o- the, o- O's. I love some o- o- O's and and like the bells in there. It's great. This is, this is were, a great song. Were there some flamenco guitars at the end? Was I hearing that, or do I still um, not know what flamenco guitars are? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been established that you don't know what those are. I don't. I, I didn't notice it myself. I'll go back and listen. And I'll let you know. Okay, we'll put a pin in that. Uh, you can report back. Uh, you can report back next next uh, next week. Okay. <laughs> instrumentality really shines on this song it's about the music the the lyrics are minimal there's probably only a couple of stanzas that are repeated and you got a lot of oh oh's and ah ah's in there and and that really is indicative of this album as a whole that that there's an equal amount of space given to instrumental work as there is to Mm -hmm. lyrical or just like straight kind of you know song structures with choruses and recognizable verses and stuff. Yeah. That's, he pulls it off well through this whole album, but if you had to like distill it down to one song, I think this would be it where he like pulls from all these styles from like all over the earth, but makes just a super catchy, like sing along song somehow, even though it's not like the normal structure of a pop song. Yes, uh, in Rolling Stone, it says a widescreen Bollywood dream, complete with layered hand drums and orchestral strings. So, Bollywood, that's the word they're using for that sound. That makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, my only uh, real association with Bollywood is Slumdog Millionaire, so... (laughs) That's probably the case for most of us. (laughs) But I... (laughs) Personally, I trust the pretentious assholes at Rolling Stone to not lead me astray. Oh, you do, do you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they know what Bollywood means. They, They every Every time that they give these you know, highfalutin descriptions. They know exactly what they're referencing. Don't you worry. They're not just spouting off. All right, I'll take your word for it. No, they probably do. (laughs) They do know their references. I just don't trust their tasted music so much. Yeah, I um, tweeted that the other day where they gave uh the new foo fighters like four and a half stars of course they did they're a legacy three and a half stars or something like i know that's what i said i said they they get like three stars just on the fact that uh dave Grohl was in nirvana yeah exactly built in three stars yeah (laughs) yeah we've talked about it before like if you've been around for 20 plus years and have made some good albums in your life then you can just shit in a bucket and ship it to Rolling Stone, and it's going to get at least three stars. Absolutely, they're also big on multiculturalism too. They like. Uh, they like I mean, that's good stuff too. But, it is. Yeah. It is. Sorry, I'm not trying to defend Rolling Stone. I agree with. It you. sounded like you're trying to I think defend Rolling like... Stone, which is very off brand for us, Nathan. Very off brand. We're hip. <laughs> We're in the scene. We're in our thirties. No, the Rolling <laughs> there. The Rolling Stone is like the uh, crotchety old man on the porch. Uh, of yes. the music industry back <laughs> in my day, this is how we made music. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, they're the um, dotty old racist, although they're not racist, but you know what I mean. Yeah, a little out of touch. D- dot dotty old progressives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aging hippies. Yeah, <laughs> just as bad. Just as bad. Uh, so is there any of the other songs that you wanted to talk about before we got to Guan? That was uh, the only other song that I wanted to talk about. But there's quite a few well, nice little ditties in between there. I didn't. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I uh, the song um, Thatch Snow. Um, oh yeah, I good. enjoyed that one a lot. And it's mainly because, like, the way he sings it sounds like almost like old-timey gospel music, like almost something that you would hear on, like, the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. Like just his voice, no, not the, the, the like not the music, but just the way no, he no, sings I, it. Yeah. That yeah. that was very exciting to me. No, because Rolling Stone said it's is chamber music with a multi-tracked choir, so it has like this real high flute and chamber music sound to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it does have that like country gospel. Yeah, like real old, uh, like deep South, like Louisiana type of vocals that that is good and and the that's what makes the first half of this album so strong i mean it it is summer bike dream half light thatch snow wood right those those are the first five i think so yeah 
I feel like those are probably the ones that us white people are going to gravitate to because the back half is definitely more kind of like aesthetic soundscapey than -hmm. the front half. You know, the front half is definitely for the indie, the straight white indie rockers. Yeah. You got like uh, that song Rudy on the second half. That song is insane. It but, is. It is. He's kind of <laughs> screaming on that part of it. Yeah, you know? there, like there's just like a lot of weird stuff with like tempo and all that going on in that song. I, I enjoy that one a lot, but that that's one of the more, I guess, like difficult listens, I would say, like in terms of like how Animal Collective is difficult to listen to. But I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah, that's it. That yes, that's exactly what I was talking about. When I was referencing that, but you know, you listen to those first five and it just, it just kind of lingers on the back half for me and I don't mind listening to it. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm sure. cherry picking the first half and going to something else. No, no. It, you, you kind of are convinced by the first five songs to stick with the back half. And I bet you the more and more I listen to it, the more I will like it. Cause it's, that's, you know, good music is like that. Yeah, totally. I I agree. I yeah, the second half definitely not as immediately listenable or not listenable isn't the word I should use. But yeah, it's not as poppy and catchy, but it's very interesting. And then it ends uh well, there there's a there's a reprise of yes. uh don't let it get to you. Mm-hmm. That was a question mark yep. on the end. Um so effectively Guan is the last song in my mind. Right. Yes. Um, and to me, Great Ender. Uh, this, is, this is my favorite song on this album. But all of these dreams keep coming back to me slowly, slowly. And sometimes I laugh when I think about how you know me. Yeah, you know me. I, I'm probably pulling here. I'm probably like, you know, picking this apart with a fine-toothed cone but uh one of the first lines don't listen to me i only believe myself so i'm going somewhere to do that alone is he saying that to vampire weekend possibly yes you see you feel that gotta go it alone boys i feel it i'm I'm gonna go do this thing by myself and it's gonna be awesome i'm a lone wolf i'm a one-man wolf pack (laughs) yeah gonna be in the fat snow <laughs> At the same time, even if it is a breakup song with Vampire Weekend, as it may be, very romantic, I feel like. There's that, that one of the lines mm-hmm. I love in this is him saying, I laugh when I think about how well you know me. I mm. love that. I know, I it's stuff line. like that. Once I got that Vampire Weekend in my head, that idea, I was like, I laugh. Because it's almost. It's uh, nostalgic, you know. It could be yes. romantic. I feel like nostalgia and romance are very close, but um, yeah, absolutely. Just the the objects of the desire are different, you know. Mm-hmm. So it could be it could be kind of nostalgic for the buds that you made at whatever Ivy League school y'all went to. Yeah, I took it to be like a romantic song, but I, you might be onto mm-hmm. something here. You might be onto something. I mean, like romantic in the sense of like it's it, the song is like for someone, like a love song or whatever. Yes, no, I, I see what you, I see what you're saying, 
and uh, that that could possibly be true because a lot of this is about relationships and stuff. You know, that's mm -hmm. uh, my favorite part of. I think it's Bike Dream. Two guys, one to bring you coffee, one to da 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 da. Yeah, you know, like two guys <laughs> waited on you, like hand and foot, like they got like grapes in their hand or something. Yeah, it's, it's so. the line is um, uh, one to kiss your neck and one to serve you breakfast. That's it goes on it from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the other thing with like that half life. I, I've been. Thinking half life, I I almost got through the entire pod without saying half life from right because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kept thinking that. But yes, uh, that that's the one thing with that motif of half light is that you know you're you're in bed and the day is breaking and your lovers are are waiting on you hand and foot, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, all that to say is it it definitely is probably more of a love song than a nostalgic. I need to go my own way, but I do miss the whole vampire weekend, you know, right. thing. My friends that I got, you know, there, whatever. Well, I gotta, I'm gonna go back and listen to it. That context, I, I like, I like your thinking here. Thank you. I, you know, once you get on the conspiracy theory bandwagon, oh, yeah. every little, every little well, thing is like, nope. See there, that, see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and like once you hear a song and you interpret it a certain way, even if it's upon your first listen, it's hard to let go of that. Even if you like learn that that's not about that, you know. Mm -hmm. That's we. Yeah, that's the exact argument I was making with Lucky You. I can't turn back now. Right. Yeah, you I've can't been, turn <laughs> back I've been now. interpreting that's... that song for too many years like that. Yep, that's how it's gonna be forever for you, which is fine. Subjectivity, yay! <laughs> it's your favorite. It is um, my favorite. I love subjectivity. <laughs> just to get back to one last thing I wanted to say on Guan. We got tangential there, as we like to do. Mm -hmm. But it has those racing strings uh, that oh, build yes. to a great chorus where the percussions come in. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this chamber music. And it almost feels like it should be played in a cathedral or it is being played in a cathedral. Oh, totally. You know, yes. It's just in this spiritual place for me, too, mm -hmm. which, you know, love, romance. I'm, I'm on, like, spiritual kind of nostalgia side, but it all kind of sounds the same sometimes in the tone I, of the song. I do love how this song ends, too, where, like, most of the instruments are, like, gone. You should get, like, a little, like, sparse yeah. piano and ambient noise, and, like, the real star of the song becomes his voice singing. One last verse. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I man. love one last kind of lazy verse at the end. Yeah, for sure. It just, yeah, it just feels like they're lingering. You know, I like an mm -hmm. album that lingers. I do too. Um, I don't know if I can say, I have any more superlatives for this album. This is, uh, this uh, I'm I was really excited about it. I'm gonna probably. Um, have this and continue to grow um, in favor with me. Just to bring it back to the beginning here, you're, you are now more concerned about the new Vampire Weekend album. Yes, I am. But you did, you did soften that by saying that he is still got his 
you know, foot in the door, or he's got a yeah. little. Well, I mean, bit, I don't know what that means, though. I don't know. He's if got like he, a pinky was... on the rudder or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. But no, no I, I'm worried. I'm worried that it's going to be straightforward indie rock, and it's going to be very like pop indie rock because you're not going to have all of this kind of eccentricity attached to it mm. anymore. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I do. I, I, I was texting you about this. I do have a lot of faith in Ezra Koenig. I think he's like, I think he's very smart. And I think this kind of been lost in this whole Rostam leaving drama. I think, I think that Ezra is being kind of undersold at this point, but we'll see. I don't know. He's like Jesse from uh, Breaking Bad. He can make ninety four percent. Yeah, <laughs> he can make ninety four percent purity too. Yeah, yeah. Ezra you don't need Walter. Is the is the Jesse Pinkman of this band. <laughs> well, yeah, it tracks. Uh, you know, uh, Walter's the smart one, the intelligent one. Uh, you know, Koenig is I get the one it. I understood of, your like, analogy. Picked it up. You know what? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm I'm just trying to lay it out there for everybody. Oh yeah, I forgot that we're not only talking to each other. <laughs> you get so offended when I explain. Sarah is the same way. When I explain we're... my jokes or my analogies, she's like, "I got it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah." Well, when you're talking to Sarah, you don't have a wider audience, so that's more forgivable. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That's true. If I don't get a big enough laugh or a big enough like, oh my god, yeah, that makes total sense, then I just assume that you didn't get it. That, <laughs> that right? Uh, <laughs> because... uh, you're not laughing. Oh, I'm sorry. You must not have got it. Let me let me explain the joke to you, please. Right? Like it, it doesn't like enter your mind as a possibility that what you said just wasn't funny or insightful. <laughs> no. What? Why would that? Why would that enter yeah, my mind? The... <laughs> <laughs> your, your 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 confidence is one of your great traits, Nathan. I hope you never lose it. Like James Hershey. And I'm never wrong. And I'm never <laughs> not funny. Uh. Although, I did want to bring this up at the beginning and I didn't, so I'll just throw it in here at the end. I think that turtleneck song is good. Yours I think stupid. it might be good. No, it, there's no <laughs> chance it's good. It's the worst song of the year. What if Turtle Jack White? What if so, Jack White sang that song though? I I think it has to do. I think no. the song itself is good. Dude, there's some ripping guitars in that song, and I think it has to do with the fact that his voice does not fit with a song like that. That's fair. So why did they do it? That's part of what makes a bad song is people doing That's things true. that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like if if Jack White sang that song, that sounds completely different in our minds. No, I'm sure. That's, I, but I don't think that that. <laughs> so, like, to take any like song ever and be like, well, if someone else sang it, it would be different. Like that doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> well, I think it does. Subjectivity, Jer. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. So, but the National shouldn't have made that song, and they did, and it sucks. Well, I'm just making a distinction between the good of the song and maybe the performance. You know what I mean? Like, there's like a, there's all kinds of songs like that where the first person to write it actually, you know, think of uh, Leonard Cohen's um, Hallelujah. 
That's a perfect example. His original version is the best version of it. Jeff Buckley. Oh my fuck god! Himself. You can stop being such a hipster. <laughs> that Jeff Buckley one, it, where where he holds out that hollow that last hallelujah for like two fucking minutes. That was transcendent, my friend. <laughs> Leonard Cohen's about ready. It sounds like he's about ready to die on every one of his tracks. Like I know, and I think that, that like he's make, the oldest I, man on earth when he sings. <laughs> well, he is dead now. Respect his memory, for Christ's sake. Nathan. I understand that, but when he recorded it, he wasn't dead. <laughs> I know. I think I think the fact that he sounded like he was on the verge of death really <laughs> adds something to his original yeah, version. Yeah, that Tom I Waits think... kind of sound. <laughs> I've smoked <laughs> a thousand more cigarettes than yeah. you'll ever smoke. I smoke you know I mean? ten thousand cigarettes a day. I, I'm two thousand years old. I'm smoking ten old. cigarettes right now. Yeah. You do the math. <laughs> <laughs> this is what my voice sounds like. Thank you very much. I don't know. I was just feeling bad about how that review came out because I really do. I, I really do like that album. And you know, we. I was texting with with Matt, and he was kind of butthurt about how we reviewed it. And I just felt like I owed it to him. You know, oh. to oh, you were you said Matt? I I was confused. Beringer, Matt Beringer. I know. I've I. Well, if you're such close friends with him, you should learn how to pronounce his last name correctly, sir. That's an accent thing. So <laughs> it's a, it, that's how you say it in the Midwest. You say burn, burn, burner, burninger. That's how it's pronounced. Burninger. Yeah, that's no, that's that's how, that's what he goes by in Brooklyn. What I'm saying, if he's in the Natty, it's Berenger, <laughs> All right. Oh. This has gotten so contentious. This is this is the the unraveling of not only our podcast but our our relationship. It's all over. <laughs> well, this is the feud we'll talk about next time, huh? Yeah. We're gonna start tweeting at each other hateful things, both using the same account. It's gonna be great. It's like that night you were walking back from the bar and you're like, "We're gonna fight tonight, Nate." Oh yeah, I you know about it's that. coming. Yeah. Like this has been a long time coming. It's, it's been a long time ago. coming. <laughs> yeah, was that also the same night that I like fell off the stool and got kicked out of the bar? Yes. Yeah. And you, <laughs> you were trying to fight me on the way home, but I think you forgot you had arms because you were just kind of like running into me with your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to sumo wrestle you. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of rubbing. A lot of rubbins. <laughs> I felt like we were half fighting and, and half I was like keeping you up from falling over. Right. <laughs> I could it's like, is he trying to fight me or is he just kind of falling over and I and he's running into me every time? I can't I can't really decide. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean I have very little memory of this, so I am no authority. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good night. Good old Burks. Yeah, that's a, it sounds like a classic evening. Um well, I think that does it for us this time. Oh wait, that's your line. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We are. We're off the rails. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm just gonna having a drink and talking to my buddy at, at this point now. So we'll we'll let all of the rest of you go. I'm sorry. I think that does it for us this time. Half Life is a musical menagerie that proves what we all already knew. Vampire Weekend 
would not be the same without Rostam's talent. Half-Light lives up to its name. It has the warmth and color of dawn, making it the perfect soundtrack for your Sunday morning coffee. Tell us what you think of the album on Twitter. Follow at the Radio Gear Pod. Till next time, I've been Nathan Seal. With me was Jeremy Cohen. Thanks for listening to the Radio Cure. Bye.